So I will say a few words about this uh, meditation, uh, what it is, and then we can uh, practice together. So uh, the request is to actually practice uh, Viveka, which is our ability to distinguish between ourselves and uh, whatever object we observe. So it can be external objects like uh, sounds or like the breath or like movements of the body and different sensations. And it can be mental objects like all uh, thoughts, feelings, uh, identities, etc. So we can create uh, this, uh, um, distin uh, to, we can distinguish between ourselves who are aware and the different activities of the mind. So we are going to do that. And then we can add to this also, which is uh, something nice, is to, after we have made a distinction, we can uh, let go we, of whatever is an object and just to see ourselves empty of everything. And then we have a little bit the experience of our true nature. Um, uh, our, uh, we can say also our uh, pure nature, not attached to anything that is different than us. And then we have this uh, also experience. So we can do this both, uh, both of these things. And then we can discuss it further if you have any questions or you oh yeah, want to understand more about it. Okay? So please uh, sit in a comfortable way or you can lie down or you can do whatever you wish. Uh, find a posture that is comfortable for you. And close your eyes. So just make sure the body is comfortable, the breath is relaxed. And see how your mind is this afternoon. And we will start with a few moments of one-pointed concentration to prepare ourselves for the further investigation. So when you feel ready, just direct your attention to the breath. that immediately you come aware, become aware of the breath. You can see when you inhale and when you exhale. And every time the mind wanders to other things like feelings, sensations, ideas, thoughts, sounds, just realize that you are not aware of the breath and then gently direct the attention back to the breath. So a few moments here in silence and then I will continue with more instructions.
Continue directing your attention to the breath. See that you are aware of the breath and that the breath is an object you are aware of. So you can already see this distinction between you and the breath. You are watching the breath, you are aware of the breath. The breath is an object that you are aware of. start to be aware that the breath has a beginning and end or every breath has a beginning and end every inhale starts continues and ends every exhale starts continues and ends Inhale and exhale, begin and end, appear and disappear. And now check. Do you, the one that is aware of the breath, do you appear and disappear with the breath? Do you start when the breath starts? Do you end when the, uh, the breath ends? See that you who is aware, you are there all the time, not appearing and disappearing, but all the time aware, and it is only the object, the breath, that appears and disappears, starts and ends. And continue directing your attention to the breath and now start to change the breath a little bit make it longer shorter faster slower deeper shallow just play with the breath and check you who is aware of the breath do you become longer when the breath is longer do you become shorter when the breath is shorter? Do you change when the breath changes? <coughs> and see that whatever change is happening, the change is only in the breath, only in the object you are aware of. And you who is aware, you stay exactly the same. Only aware. It is the breath that has a beginning and an end and a change. You can let the breath go back to its normal rhythm. So this is our distinction. This is Viveka. And the knowledge we get is that we who are aware of the breath, 
we are not temporary, we are all the time there and we are not changing and it is only the object that we are aware of, in this case the breath, that is temporary and changing. And now we are going to take the same ability and to check it on other objects and in a moment we are going to check it also about the uh, activity of the mind. But first we are going to direct our attention to the sense of hearing, to the sounds around you. And again see that you are aware of the sounds and the sounds are objects you are aware of. And see that all the sounds has a, have a beginning and an end and they are changing all the time. And now check you who is aware of the breath, of the sounds, sorry. Do you start and end when the sound starts and ends? Do you change when the sounds change? Check. see how clear it is that you who is aware you stay the same all the time you're all the time there only aware in the same way and it is the sounds the objects that you are aware of that have a beginning and an end and that are changing all the time So this again we have the viveka, the distinction between us and the objects. We are there all the time, not changing, and the objects are temporary and changing. And now release your attentions, attention from the sound. And move your attention to the mental activity. And here I invite you to just create mental activity, whichever you want. You can create thoughts that say things like, oh, what a wonderful day, oh, I'm so bored, I'm so tired. No, just this mental voice that is talking inside our head. You can just make it talk different <laughs> sentences. And you can play with some feelings. You know, to become, think about something good and become a little bit happy or think about something depressing and become a little bit depressed and sad. We can create different feelings, different imaginations, different thoughts and ideas, different voices in your head and see that whatever you create 
whatever you are aware of, you are aware of it, and whatever appears are objects, mental objects. They can be thoughts, feelings, sensations, ideas, songs in your head, whatever. You can intentionally create, you know, the normal stuff that goes on in your head <laughs> during the days. You know, if you plan, if you criticize, if you get upset and angry, if you are hurt, if you have memories, just create these things that you normally meet in your life. And see that all of them are objects you are aware of. And see that all of them have a beginning and an end, and that they are changing all the time. And see that, or check, you who is aware, Do you start and end with the thoughts and the feelings? Do you change when different feelings come or different thoughts come? Check. see that doesn't matter what emotion there is, what idea, what thought, they start and end and they change all the time, but you, you are always there, aware, and you are always the same, only aware, only that the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions, they change, and see the distinction, see the viveka the difference between you and the mental objects. Now try to create also identifications. You know all these things you all these ideas you have about yourself. I am like this or different. I can do it, I cannot do it, I'm good enough or not. I cannot handle it anymore, I am collapsing, I cannot stand it, you know. All these ideas we have about ourselves bring some hardcore stuff. The stuff that usually confuses us. And check, is there anything that you can come up with that will not be an object? Is there anything that you can create that will transform you? Play with everything. 
check. Bring your traumas, your memories, your deepest uh, hurts. Check. Bring the most wonderful ideas you have about yourself and the most horrible ideas you have about yourself. And check who are you? Are you any of these ideas? Or are you the one who is aware of these ideas? Bring your deepest angers, your deepest truth, your, whatever so far you have, you were sure it is you or says anything about you and check, is it an object or is it you? Is it temporary? Is it changing? Or is it constant and unchanging? And who are you in front of all of this? Bring your deepest desires and check, are you changing? Is there anything that you can think? or feel that will not be an object? And now, if you've seen the Viveka, if you have the Viveka and you can see the difference between you and all the mental activity, and you can see that whatever mental activity there is, you are still aware, you are still unchanging. And all of it are only objects. Now let go of everything. All the mental activity, let go of your identifications, of your emotions, of your ideas, of your feelings. And see what is left. Do you disappear without your anger? 
do you disappear without your memories and ideas and identifications? And what remains when you let go of everything? Of the idea this is difficult, when is it going to end? Let go of everything and check what happened to you or what remains when you let go of all the objects. Two more minutes, investigate what is left without any of the objects. And then just one more thing before we finish. If you can see that you are empty of everything and that you can, if you let go of all objects, you are there but you are not changed or touched or influenced. If you are this awareness, this wide free space, not bound by your anger, by your memories, by your ideas and identification, how would you act in the world? Just imagine that. If you know that you are free, how are you going to act in your career, in your relationships, with yourself? What is going to limit your actions? What is going to decide your actions? And then slowly release your attention. And take a few deep breaths. 
Let's see how you are now, how is your mind, and when you feel ready, open your eyes. I hope this was the meditation you meant. <laughs> Otherwise we just wasted half an hour. <laughs> it's never a waste of time to just for a moment remind ourselves who we are and who and what we are not. And then to even for a second meet ourselves empty of everything. Uh, were you able to see the distinction? Soon, uh, question? Yeah? And were you able to see yourself without all the things? Yeah, okay. Question? Yeah, in this meditation, when I practiced it, we, we said also for some time to do it every morning uh, after uh, the one pointed meditation. And just to remind ourselves every morning who we are. But when I meditated on it, it's like, okay, I can see it, I can. And then it goes, and then to come back to it again each time to do this abhyasa on this kavaya. Uh, of the experience of your empty nature? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I will say uh, two things. Yeah. Two things about this meditation that it gives us. One, it reminds us that everything that we are going to experience during the day are objects that we are aware of. And it can be the most horrible experiences and the most wonderful experiences. It can be useful things and unuseful things. It can be anger and happiness. It can be many things. But uh, when we practice this in the morning and we just bring up all the mental activity that we know we are going to meet during the day or we met yesterday, it first, it first reminds us that everything's, everything is an object uh, and everything is changing and temporary. And we are the one who are aware of these objects and then it will take us to the day. This is one thing. So it shows us the mental world. But then we have the second part that says, okay, if everything is an object, who are we if we are not holding these objects? And then this is a very temporary experience because uh, every time a new object will come, we will grab it again. And then we have to again let go. But even if we have this one moment of just letting go of the anger, of the uh, fears, of the insecurity, of whatever, criticism, whatever we have, and just let it go for a minute and see that we are empty. This one second of experience is enough to remind us that we are empty of everything. And then if you want, you can create it as many times as you want, but every time it will be very short before a new idea will come up. And then you will have to see, oh, this idea that I think, oh, I have succeeded. Yeah, this idea, I have succeeded, 
is also an object and now who I am without this idea also and I'm back to my empty nature. Um, I like very much this meditation because I feel it, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, this is the heart of yoga. It goes directly to the knowledge that we have to get to the viveka, uh, that we have to create uh, this distinction. But after some time, well, this practice will not be necessary anymore because I already know that whatever mental activity I have, thoughts, feelings, ideas, identifications, they're always objects, they're always changing. And I already know that I am the one who is aware I don't even need the feeling of empty, emptiness. I know my, I, my true nature already, and then I don't need to practice it anymore. I will only need it, <laughs> or maybe to remind myself, if I uh, forget in action, that, uh, you know, if the automatic action is very quick, and I react out of anger, out of fear, out of you know, something like this, which is not useful, uh, then maybe I will need to see, just to, you know, sit down for a moment, remind myself that I don't have to hold whatever I'm feeling now, that I am empty, and then I will get the ability to uh, freely act again. But, uh, yeah, uh, we have to remember it's about getting the knowledge. It's not about the practice. Okay, did it answer your question? <laughs> yeah, so in the practice, uh, the practice is like also uh, one portion of meditation that it's even though uh, all the time different objects will come and we need to come back to the mm -hmm. breath, still and then we get this uh, ability for the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's the same, it's the practice and okay. And another question, also practical uh, of meditation. Um, you said that in the morning also to bring up all the mental activities and to see if they are objects. But I can see in the morning I'm still not strong in, in front of my uh, mind. And uh, I just go mm -hmm. by my mental activities and I can be like five minutes instead of meditation just in this mental activities and I, I didn't even do this mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is why we start the practice with one-pointed concentration to make us a little bit more sharp. And then doesn't matter if it takes you some time and you can maybe add the question, what do I see? You know, when you are like this and you start wondering and you're like dozing and stuff, what do I see? I see dozing, okay? Or I see myself like that, tiredness. So tiredness, do I see it? Is it an object? Yes, I can see it, it is an object. So who I am, who am I? Am I am the one who is aware of this tiredness? Yes. Okay. And do I, can I exist without the tiredness? Yes. So, you know, you just create a like mental voice that will help direct you. Even if you're dozing off, it will help you to direct your attention to see what it is. You know? And it's very nice to have this little voice in our head that directs us to see the things, you know, just use it. It's, uh, it's very friendly. And then uh, we can also see this voice. I said, okay, what is this voice? Who am I? I am the one who is aware of this voice. So this voice is also an object. Then if I don't want it, I let it go. And I can see myself also without this voice. Okay, uh, more questions? Um, um, last time I did this practice, I really felt the emptiness and like nothing uh, when I found myself. But now there was like, um, and I 
know that it's something that like every object that will come to this itself is not gonna shake it or not gonna touch it or like an armor mm. and and it's a little bit confusing because I just that myself is nothing and I don't know mm. stillness it's also an object uh -huh. so uh, yes it's and it's then what you do the experience from now uh -huh. Then if you see stillness, you say, okay, I see stillness, then who am I? Am I the stillness or the one that is aware of the stillness? I am the one who am I. So who am I without the stillness? Who am I? I am empty of this also. And this is uh, what you say is very interesting because it's one of uh, these um, points we have to be very careful. Because sometimes the mind becomes still and we think this is our constant nature. This is our nature. But if we observe the stillness as an object, we realize this stillness is also temporary. And uh, in this uh, way of yoga, sometimes we uh, start to be attached to this feeling of stillness or this uh, nice feeling of awareness. And then we have to say, okay, if you are aware of this, then this is also an object. Uh, let go also of this or you are empty also of this. Don't depend on this temporary object also because very quickly it becomes a source of suffering <laughs> mm -hmm. when it uh, changes and we want to hold it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, uh, this is uh, like a game, you know, where uh, there is the story of the Buddha that was sitting under the tree and just saying, I see you, I see you. So whatever you experience, whether it is nice or not, whether it is uh, shaking you or making you steady, uh, ask yourself, if I see it, then it's an object, you know, and play this game, what do I see, well, what am I aware of, and you will see that actually everything <laughs> is an object, even if it is very similar to a steady uh, awareness, you know? if you see it, it is still an object, if you can be aware of it. Any question? What? So the question relating uh, Viveka Kyati and actions. Uh, sometimes you like I got uh, emotional or really involved in situation and then I stop and I make the process of Viveka Kiyati and I find out that and then I decided about uh, the right action to do in the situation and I go and make a conversation or and then I'm getting overflowed with emotions again and I see it I, I still have the Viveka Kiyati but maybe the uh, the action are like look like a, like a, something that is not is not a, it's not clean still you know affected from emotions and thoughts and so but I see it mm. you know so uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about the uh, about the relation between Viveka Kiati and the actions mm -hmm. okay uh, I will uh, talk about this but one thing before that. Do we have a problem to be overwhelmed with emotions? No, it's tapas. It's not part of the Yeah, emotions. it's not even tapas. It no, is another object. Okay. Yeah. So the more we know who we are, the less we care how overwhelmed we are with emotions, whether they are like enlightenment, uh, exp enlightening experiences or very depressing and saddening. So there is not a problem to be overwhelmed with emotions. We are not trying to control them. And I say this because you—it was like, like, uh, you know, maybe we get the idea that we have to, that uh, uh, emotions will be a little bit more controlled or minimized or 
some way easier to, to experience, but not. They can be completely overwhelming. And then I just have to notice that I'm, I am aware of overwhelmed, you know, the, like of this sensation of being overwhelmed. So first, no problem to experience everything. And then uh, the connection between Viveka Kyati and action. This was our last uh, question. Uh, when we know our true nature as being empty of all objects, all ideas, all sensations, all identifications, uh, how will we act in the world? Have you, uh, were you able to see something? What did you see? Um, I saw kind of this freedom, you know, just mm -hmm. to act as I truly want, I guess. No mm -hmm. touch with um, fears and all those things that mm -hmm. stop that. Mm -hmm. Good. What did you say? I would say that at this stage we are uh, we find ourselves at the stage where we sort of like become like an opening to reality. Uh, so there we we express our uh, true self. Our true self expresses himself as a real self, uh, without though worrying, without trying to control it. So it's just something which is it's as, as spring water, fresh water that comes out of the spring, uh, without. Uh, Worrying, or without trying to present it one way or or another, so it's mm -hmm. a the word doesn't come to my head in English. Aptormito, like um, yeah, we can just be manifest. Yeah, or, yeah. as life mm -hmm. does in a way. As it seems kind of like uh, mm -hmm. illegal almost now. <laughs> you know, like there might be some resistance at the beginning, but uh, mm -hmm. in a way, it's a space of uh, uh, no rules where natural order takes. Mm -hmm. uh, over mm -hmm. and just become like an organ of uh, life itself, expressing itself. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And it's wonderful to, to observe it because then I think through this process we oh, we experience. It's not we don't know it mentally anymore, but we experience the self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Uh, more things that came up or any more answers to how we are going to act when we are we know our our empty nature. Hmm? In a useful way. Uh -huh. Could you see? Were you able to see it? Yeah. yeah? Uh -huh. Exactly. So this is the connection between Viveka Kyati and action. The moment we know our empty nature, we know we are not bound to act by any feeling. We can still act according to what we feel if we want. But we are not bound to these automatic actions that the feelings create. We don't have to shout when we are angry. We don't have to hug when we love. We can do whatever is useful to the situation. So it gives us a few things. It gives us the freedom to feel everything, the freedom to act, the freedom to see what is useful. And basically, uh, as it was said here very nicely, just to, ex to be ourselves in a very, you know, unlimited, uncontrolled way, but still useful to the situation because there is no point in acting in an unuseful act way you know because action is always to um to uh, create something in life or to yeah to influence something you know it's to go to the toilet it's to eat it's to communicate it's things like that so we only start to do them in a more useful way without being bound or limited by uh, other things uh, and i find it well i can tell you my own experience the moment i realized that i was not bound 
by my uh, fears, my insecurity, my laziness, my, uh, my ego, my, you know, it's ego goes both ways <laughs> of how horrible I am and how great I am. The moment I realize I'm not bound by any of my ideas or identifications, I have so much freedom of action. And, um, and then when, after we act, we might get different feelings. You know, I can be, if I got the result that I want, I will be very happy. And if I got uh, the result I didn't want, I can be very depressed or sad or angry with myself. But do we have a problem feeling this? The results of our actions? Not at all. Hey, I see what it is. You know, maybe I became very unsatisfied with myself. Maybe there is a voice in my head telling me, oh, you idiot, how you acted again, and why you never improve, and why you don't control your desires. And, and I see that and say, okay, this is also object I am aware of. And then I have, there is no, uh, no reason to try to control these voices in my head or in the head. The only thing we do is to learn from the results of our action. It was not a useful action. And then I just do the next action. But uh, it is interesting to see before we know this knowledge, how much of our effort is uh, invested in trying to create different uh, emotions and ideas and inner talk. You know, we try to all the time manage this inside of our head to feel better you know like to find some sense in life or in our actions or things but when we know we don't need to control it because anyway it doesn't say anything about us and doesn't you know in any way it's temporary and uh, then what's the point in putting energy in this we can just put the energy back into life and this is a you know this is a lot of freedom and we get a lot of results back you know, because we have so much energy to just create what we want. Okay, did it answer your question? Yeah, but you know, it, it answered my question theoretically, but practically when they decided like, I insult someone, and then I decided to go into a, the right thing to do because I, this relationship are important for me and I want mm -hmm. to support them, I go and ask for forgiveness or whatever it is and try to find a way to communicate. And then when I talk to the person and I, I'm there because I had a, like a Viveka Kitty decision to make the right action. And then I go and then I'm overflowed with emotions. And I see it's not something that I choose to, you see, it's not freely just raise up and it's there and uh, yeah. I can see it and it's okay and I can see you know in my body I can see it uh, mm -hmm. reacting on the other person and uh, but it's not something that I freely chosen to bring to this situation that's something that uh, came up from mm -hmm. you know from the previous old knowledge I have in my body mm -hmm. yeah and no problem I can come and I want to say sorry and I start to cry and I start to do this, so no problem. I see myself crying and I see myself, you know, uh, shaking and I see myself everything and I watch it and I say, okay, this is how it is. This is beyond my control. Yeah. But still I will do the action that I want, you know, even if it's among, uh, with uh, tears and whatever, you know, and if I cannot manage, I will say, okay, wait, I have to just a moment relax <laughs> to be able to speak, you know, but it's not a problem to be overflown with emotions. Emotions are, they, ju they don't stay just in the mind. You know, they are very uh, 
like they show a lot okay. in the body and uh, then no problem to shake and no problem to cry and no problem to this and okay no nothing happens if you try to control it then you forget to do the actions that you yes. want you know we don't need to control we can cry and this maybe it's not so comfortable but uh, what can we do no it's okay just not freely it's not it's a, but this is free this is the free action the free you know? action is yes that's that's what life that's what life brought them exactly yes, to the situation yeah. because and because of this this is free you know if yeah. you say oh i have to not to cry not to shake not to this this is not free because they say oh what does it mean say about me you know yeah. or i lose my i lose my balance if i cry no the balance we can never lose because the balance comes from being aware so i can completely lose my balance in the body and in the mind see this and if i'm aware i can allow myself show up yeah. like you said like with everything yeah. that, that rises yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah. but if it's now it's useful to i don't know i am in charge of little children and then maybe there i have to you know i cannot start to cry and to shout and to death because i have to you know take control of the situation then i will do the effort but there it is because this is the useful action you yeah. know to to keep my posture to keep my you know but so it's always uh, always depends on the situation, okay. you know. But at least we have the freedom to choose. This is the idea. You know, this is the art of action, the freedom to choose. And sometimes we go with what with the automatic, and sometimes we go in a different way than the automatic. Mostly the freedom to to see. Yeah, to see, and then to act. Yeah. One minor point, but I, but I think it's important. The, the moment we express ourselves freely, I feel that it's the moment that the sense of self dissolves. So, in a way, it doesn't feel as if I express myself. It feels as if I express the self, mm. the, the, the common self. The, as if like nature itself life itself mm. expresses through what i would call myself so i'm just like on this sphere of existence on this oneness i'm just one point of focused consciousness that i observe this activity mm. um, and i find that helpful in the in the sense that yeah it, it helps me unidentify with the idea of this self which is something separate Mm -hmm. from the other selves. Mm -hmm. um, so I consider uh, yeah, both important and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, helpful is a criteria in a way that uh, helps find mm -hmm. the, the free expression without doubt whether that's the free expression or it's the self or it's the previous knowledge. It's, just, it's, it's a clear space and just mm -hmm. comes out of there. Yeah. And it's also easy there somehow to observe it less drama in observing mm -hmm. it even if it's something that it's like you know maybe the next moment we're like whoa what just happened here but uh, while it's happening it's happening and we are there we are sort of like mm -hmm. masters of the this process yeah. not by controlling it but by being aware of it fully and by accommodating it in the space we create mm -hmm. Yeah. This uh, space that is created when we are aware is exactly the space that allows the thing to appear as they are. 
Yeah, for example, we can see the moment we start to focus on the breath. Just take something very simple. Uh, maybe in the beginning we try to control the breath. You know, we say oh, we have to breathe in a certain way. It has to be comfortable. And if it's not comfortable, I try to breathe deeply and stuff. But when we are aware, we can say, okay, let the breath express as it is. If it's uh, freely moving, then freely moving. If it's contracted, then it's contracted. If it's short, it's short. If it's long, it's long. You know, and this is the natural thing. You know, and this space is actually, it's what allows it. Uh, and it is this, uh, the mind that tries to grab the things and do it as it should be. This is what is limiting us. Uh, not only in the breath, but in all our, in ourselves, you know, we are limiting of the way we are uh, showing in the world. So I like very much to think of this uh, awareness as just space that allows everything to appear as it is. Uh, and everything is okay there, in a way. Um, yeah, it's nice. Where life is happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I thought another thing mm -hmm. about the inval question. Um, that in a like, normal everyday, we saw the reality through all the sounds of the mind. Like if I am like insecure in some situation, my conception of the situation is not like real. It's uh, through the uh, all my fear and uh, all these emotions. And when you see like when you're in the Viveka and you see your true self, suddenly the reality is really just the reality. Without all this layer that um, like put a wrong um, message in front of your, like, I'm not good for, to be here, and you just like look outside and everything look mm -hmm. exactly how it looks. Mm -hmm. You don't have um, a whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. and I want to uh, talk about this a little bit because there is another thing here, which is very interesting. Uh, let's put uh, an example for what you say. I can see the cup. Yeah, this is reality. And I can see reality through an empty mind. Yeah, there is nothing here that uh, obscure what there is. This is what you meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no fears, no identities, no ideas about the cup. The cup just appears in this empty space. But uh, is it usually the state of our mind? No. Yeah, usually the mind brings up a lot of ideas. And then here we have to just to put a little note, do I have to stop my insecurity or my own interpretations of the reality? No. What do I have to do? To know that they are just objects and not Yeah, exactly. Them. So to make them the object also, and then to create this space between me and the emotions also. And then insecurity can exist, like the cup can exist, and then the insecurity that I feel in front of the cup and then me aware of the insecurity as an object of the mind and the cup as an object of reality. So there are a few layers of this. And it is very important to note this because otherwise you might try, try to, uh, to, be, to act in the world or to, yeah, to live without with, uh, trying to hold the mind empty all the time. And then you say, oh, I shouldn't feel insecure. I shouldn't have identification or I shouldn't identify on stuff like this, but this is not completely uh, accurate. Okay? So if there are objects of the mind, we see them also through an empty space and then all objects of the mind can appear the same.
and we can do the game of uh, watching the world without impressions, it is very nice. And then watching also emotions without impressions. For example, what impressions do we have about emotions? What is bad and what is good. Yeah, what I should feel and what not. What is okay and what is not. And imagine to take this away, yeah, or to have be just aware of emotion without these ideas. And then anxiety can be there and it's only an object and uh, like uh, happiness can be there and it's only an object and then fear can be there and anger can be there and everything is only a job object without my uh, a another layer of interpretation if this is good or bad so or this attachment. is like yeah uh, and attachment can be there also without the idea if attachment is good or bad and identification can be there without the idea that I have to not identify eh? because the moment we are aware we are observed everything can be an object and you know sometimes we say we don't identify we can identify as much as we want with everything the only thing we have to do is to be aware of our identifications and that the moment we do this they're only an object and don't try not to identify because this is something very natural for the mind to do. Yeah? So, in daily life, I feel like um, all this uh, anxiety and whatever we feel with ourselves, each one has a different story, uh, self-criticism or stuff like that. Um, so, so, we cannot see the cup as it is, we cannot see the world as it is because we see it through this self-criticism and it's coming all the time. So what you're describing here should be practices, like it's coming up all the time because that's what we have in the knowledge, in the tools of knowledge we have with ourselves. And uh, so should we take it as a practice uh, because it's coming all the time and it is more challenging to do the right action. I feel like um, I can say with all this knowledge I'm practicing, uh, I can see that I have this self-criticism or uh, judgment to myself and it's coming sometimes so strongly in situations and it's like uh, I have heavy stones I'm carrying with me. And then the actions uh, are not so, uh, I cannot be free in this. It's, uh, very, it's very hard to do the right action. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is life, like, okay, it's hard, so just deal with this, but it's heavy all the time and mm -hmm. it's uh, overwhelming or can you say we should not we, we should not uh but maybe yeah okay what we do in this case we have a lot of mental activity which is uh difficult yeah to see like self-criticism or outside criticism and anxiety and things like that uh, what we need to do with them is we don't need to change them you know because this is very it only shows how uh, how normal the mind is you know or how uh, that it works well if it creates anxiety and criticism and this is uh, the basic or the natural uh, mechanism of the mind so this is not a problem so what you need to do is to see this also as an object you know? Because now you don't see it clearly as an object, because when you look at self-criticism, you have an idea about self-criticism. What are your ideas about it? That it's bad, and it should not be there, and it's a problem, 
and it influences your actions. And so you have to just look at all of this and see all of this as objects. And then smile. So how to see it? Uh, when it's coming this yeah? Both. You can, when things are difficult for us to see, then the best thing to begin with is to bring them up in meditation. So I bring it, I say, I sit and I start to criticize the whole world and myself. This is like this and this is like this and she's horrible and I'm horrible and this is I like this. And I see and I watch and I smile because I see all of it our object of the mind. And, and then during the day, I do the same, you know, when I see my mind talking about her, about myself, about life, I see and I smile. And the moment I see and I smile, or this smile, is because I see it as an object. And I see it is, uh, it's, everything is okay there, when my mind functions wonderfully. And then, if it's wonderful, if everything is okay, I don't need to deal with it. And then, if I don't need to deal with it, I can take my attention outside, and to say, okay, what do I have to deal with? I have to do this test, I have to talk to this person, I have to do, and then I do it. Understand? But uh, you will see, it's uh, nice because there are always layers of mental activity that we don't yet see. That we still believe. That when this inner voice talks to us, we are sure that this is true. And then we have to change our action according to what this uh, voice says. For example, if you have a voice in your mind that says, Oh, you have to improve as a person. What do you say up to this voice? Huh? Is it true? You have to improve as a person? No, what do you do? It feels like true, but it's also an object. Exactly. It feels like it is true. And in the regular world, before we practice Viveka Kiyati, Viveka, we will say, oh, I have to improve myself and blah, blah, blah. And we go to improve ourselves. But if we practice Viveka, I see this. And I say, okay, here is another object of the mind. Is it going to influence my actions? No, not necessarily, because I look at outside and what I have to do. And if outside, you know, now is, is a situation that I have to improve, you know, I have to concentrate better, then I will concentrate better. But if I'm lying on the TV doing nothing, oh, I have nothing to improve at that moment, then I can just go on lying and do nothing. Okay, so this is, it's like a... The more we practice, we see more uh, gentle objects, you know, more delicate things. And then we discover more and more that actually everything is objects of the mind and nothing, we don't need to follow anything. Yeah, only reality, only the objective world. Okay? More things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. I feel in, like, in the daily life that, let's talk about the, the automatic and the manual and whatever. And sometimes we say we don't need to be all the time aware, all the time like in this manual situation. We can just be only when I need to do things, I need to, to go to this manual thing, manual mode. But I feel that maybe 98% of my day, I need to be in this focus and I need to move from those two modes and I think this is like this feeling between of them that this trying to all the time moving between them this is the hard part like the main hard part in the day because I feel it's most of the day and I feel like I'm in the gym the whole day <laughs> like in the mental gym 
and for me, I don't know, I feel like maybe this is the most, um, like the most hard part and I, I'm trying maybe to see this as an object as well and put it on the side and blah 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 but this is also it's the same thing like to see it to see okay this is like the automatic thing now I'm going to the manual mode and it's the same thing all the time over and over and over again even when I'm sitting in my uh, living room then I, I need to see to think what I want to eat okay I need to go up I need to make something to it every time it's something to do it's like the the right action to do like the manual action to do or whatever and I see it more the almost mod to the almost mod gadol and I feel this is like the main hard thing for me now and I'm a bit struggle with it okay so there is very easy uh, solution okay. for this, you know? There is a very easy solution of for this. <laughs> yeah. And the easiest solution is to see that when the mind says, oh, this is difficult, I am overwhelmed, this is too much, uh, just to see it in an object and then to smile. And then it will say, no, but you have to take me seriously. I'm not just saying this, this is really difficult. And then I see this in an object and say, okay. This is also an object. And then she said, no, no, but this is serious. This you have to see. This is really difficult. And what do I do? I also see this in a, as an object. Okay? So this is one thing. Is, and then when does it become difficult? Never. Okay? Because it is only the mind that brings up another idea that this is difficult. That this is overwhelming. You understand? But actually, it is not. So just try to do it. I feel like I'm trying to do it, and, and then, then I have like this voice, voice? under the voice yeah. and under the voice. And yeah, the, exactly. Every, every voice answers the yeah. previous voice. Exactly. And then I'm just like, <laughs> fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> trying to go and do whatever exactly. I need to. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I'm not. But still, like, the general feeling is just yeah. kind of like working all the time, yeah. mental working all the time. It's not just, not just like mental thoughts and blah 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 like yeah you know so first it will be endless voices in the head yeah. and you can observe them all until you say okay i have understood everything that the mind is going to say and going to show me is going to be anyway an object i don't have to look at it anymore and so you will end up with this understanding you don't have to like uh watch the mind all the time you already know the activity of the mind now you're still like in the effort of watching it all the time. But there will be the point that you say, okay, I don't care what the mind does because anyway, it's going to talk and to create a lot of things and I don't care what it do, does, okay? This is one thing. And the second thing, the understanding that life is only eventually about endless amount, is, uh, amount of actions. This is uh, <laughs> an understanding we have to reach at some point in our life. Not, uh, and this is why the yogis, they want to uh, step out of samsara. You know, this is why they say, okay, this is endless actions. You know, every life is endless actions. We have to pee and then we have to shit and then we have to eat and then we have to sleep and then we have to communicate and then we have to go and then we have to clean and then we have to this. And this is life. And c'est la vie. 
we have the, for this there is no solution yeah because this is life life is endless uh, amount of actions but there is a way out of this loop of endless of samsara yeah what is the way out yeah but don't give me the names <laughs> give me what is the way out of this samsara of these endless actions what is the way out that we are not the one who are acting yeah. okay action exists in the body action exists in the mind action exists in what we call prakriti or the outside world the changing world but actually you are not acting so the mind will always feel as if it is acting or the mind will have the feeling of I am acting in the yoga world in Sanskrit is called ahamkara I am acting so we always feel, we will always have the feeling that I am acting. We will have the feeling that I am exhausted. We will have the feeling that I don't want to do it anymore. And this and all of this, we say, okay, this is unavoidable. This is going to be like this forever. But all these actions, who are we in front of them? We are again only the ones that are aware. And here, us who are aware, there is no action. If you, uh, you can uh, add to your practice, to start to watch actions as objects, yeah? start to watch them as objects. And you will see all actions are objects and all of them, do you start and end when an action starts and end? Hmm? What do you say? No. Do you change when an action changes? No. And then you will have to a realization that you are always free of action. And then here, no problem to do a lot of action and to feel exhausted. But you are not the one who is exhausted. You are not the one who is acting. This is the way out of samsara. So, uh, and then there is another layer on this to say, have we ever been in the samsara? Have we, were we ever bound by samsara? Were we ever bound by what is called karma, uh, action and result? Never. Huh? It was only the idea of the mind, the avidya, the wrong knowledge that said, I am the one who is bound. I am the one who is acting. I am the one who is, um, experiencing the results of the actions but the moment we don't have the vidya anymore this ignorance which is uh, when we don't have it anymore when we have the viveka when we have the knowledge when we have the distinction the moment we are out of the idea that we are the one who are acting we realize that we have always been uh, oh, we were never bound by samsara or we were never bound by karma okay so we are always free always free but it's only that we know we don't know it now and for now you have the idea that you are the one who is acting so mm -hmm. i have like kind of another second question but i think it's the same answer for it <laughs> <laughs> so when <clears throat> when i'm feeling this um it's not overwhelming exhaustion yeah yeah um so i feel it and then in here but I don't mind <laughs> so I have this idea that this tiredness of acting and doing and kind of living I guess and and I'm thinking like okay this is this is it this is what what we have until someday I don't know when but we will go <laughs> mm. and 
I know it's not like the most positive, amazing thought about life, but it's there and yes, I'm understand, okay, if I'm here, it's always come, coming back for me to the point that, okay, I'm here and if I'm here, let's do something with it, I guess, but it's not like, um, how do I say it? Like a, not a positive, but like a great thinking of, about life. It's kind of acting, acting just for acting because you're here. Yeah, because you have no choice. Yeah, yeah this is the reali realization. <laughs> you are in a very nice stage in the, in the, on the way. Okay, you're in the stage where you understand the, huh, how to say, uh, this is uh, King Solomon. Yeah. Okay. Nothing new is under the sun, and all is bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because this is the understanding that we have. Okay. That uh, life is full of endless actions, and all the actions are actually, you know, they are. They are not wonderful, or not. They are just repeating. And even whatever great thing we do is temporary and everything we do and achieve is going to be destroyed anyway and nothing is we cannot achieve anything in this life huh? and then there is the next step after this understanding say okay if i cannot achieve anything in this life i'm not going to act in order to achieve anything in this life i'm going to act in order to what yeah. to serve that's all because i am living because i'm not yet dead that's all and then we can start to freely freely serve in this life, freely act for what life demands of us and we become servants of life instead of trying to say, oh, my life, it's not my life, we are of life and we become, this is when we, <laughs> this is when we become one with life because nothing here in this life has the idea of what do I get out of it and all of them, the tree is doing endless actions, the, you know, the, all the animals are doing endless action, everything is doing endless actions, but none of them is thinking, what do I get out of it? So you're approaching a very, very important step, uh, which is going to actually, uh, there is another term for it, it's going to put you in the stream of life. And because you're going to be finally uh, like one with the movement of life in this uh, flowing, you know, endless flow of life uh, for no uh, selfish reason, not going like this, but going like this outside just to serve. And uh, will there be a feeling of accomplishment, or accomplishing something? There will be the feeling of uh, enlightenment and achievement and something? None of this. And you will not depend on that. And, and you will still, but you will still freely act. Okay? And you can just see it now, how you always still in what you say, there is some kind of expectation of to get something from the action or t for it to be easy. Or, you know, you demand still something from life. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. even, it, it's, it's this and it's even, it's not like the, again, like the most optimistic feeling about life. And I think we have this idea that we need to, like, to live life yeah. and everything is like, wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to be, sometimes we are optimistic and sometimes not. And you will see the difference. Like when you do an action and you get a nice result, you're going to say, wow, this, or when you have a purpose. You know, and finally, you, and suddenly you become very optimistic and say, oh, this is wonderful, I'm so useful, and this is great, and we're doing this great project. 
And then you say, oh, this is just a bunch of, you know, things I have to do and I don't want to do them and, you know, but this and this is exactly the same, temporary object. You cannot rely on them for your life. You know, we are maturing in this way. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to think, this feeling of being exhausted, put it in your practice as an object. I do it a lot because I feel exhausted many times because I have a lot of responsibilities and I see my mind saying, oh, I cannot do it anymore. This is too much. Why do I need this? Why do I need that? And I watch it and I smile. And I say, okay, of course the mind is going to say that because the mind always wants to sit like this and smoke a joint and, you know, it's much easier. But, uh, you know, it's, it's only, always want the easy way out. And I say, okay, my mind is very, functions very well. <laughs> so I can continue using it. Uh, it's like that. Sorry, no good news here. <laughs> I think it's good news. I think this uh, inner craving that you, you're expressing for, for peace and for calmness and for time to rest is this craving for, 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 for getting uh, free, getting uh, uh, like the Kaivalya. This, this I think this, uh, this, this craving inside that, that leads you through, through the process. You've searched it on the wrong place, but the, the urge, the, 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 the inside the motivation, motivation mm -hmm. is really, really right and healthy and listen to it, I think. This is also something I can hear from your sharing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would advise you to read Kohelet. Shel <laughs> Shomar Melech. Yeah, because it's so depressing. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, it's wonderful because it says, you know, uh, he said, I have everything in life. I have all the wealth. I have all the wisdom. I have all the women. I have everything that a person can achieve. And I tell you, everything is bullshit, you know. But he gives a solution at the end. What is the solution? Act. What? You know, act. There is nothing we can do but to continue acting until we die. This is what he say. You know, and it's depressing. But the Yoga Vasishta is, uh, you know, a little bit the same. You know, yeah, starts from this big depression of, uh, okay, so everything is temporary. Yeah. And everything is endless work. So what's the point in this? And we have to reach this, uh, this question one time. Yeah, so <laughs> read it. <laughs> You wanted to say something? I want to say two things. First of all, you said, like, is there a sense of fulfillment? And I would say that, like, the, the complete answer, the, the true answer would be both yes and no at the same time. Mm. Not just, like, no. That uh, it can be, but it's not, we don't depend on that. Yeah, it will be temporary feeling exactly. anyway. This exactly. was Matomet. So in a way it is yeah. and it's not. Yeah, it will sometimes uh, be the, there, sometimes the will not. Is, uh, you talk about action and about, like, you know, uh, using action to serve so the moment uh, i realize that uh, i'm tired or i'm frustrated or that i'm nervous uh, isn't it that doesn't make sense that as an act of serving the first thing i do is that i let myself feel it and then I respond to that, like the moment that I'm, I'm nervous to realize or the moment that I'm anxious or the moment that I feel to realize that it's a moment for me to, to relax and allow the mind to, to relax and let go. If the situation allows you and if the situation doesn't allow you, you don't do it. This is the idea of the useful action. 
Sometimes the useful action will be I have to take some time off and I'm going to rest and I'm going to put my phone out outside. I didn't and talk I'm about time off. I said the mind to relax. The mind to relax in a way it's, it can be something that it's yeah. can happen out of yeah, time. Yeah, no problem. Sometimes I say, okay, now I, the, situ the action I do is something that the mind requires or the body requires. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the situation will be that now I cannot give my... I cannot do an action that gives condition to this system. Mm -hmm. I must continue acting outside and then I do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's always a useful action anyway. Okay, but I can yeah. still like sort of like put a mark there mm -hmm. that, you know, whenever the opportunity appears, mm -hmm. it's important mm -hmm. as a step to yeah. let the self yeah. relax, mm -hmm. to let the, the mind yeah. disengage from uh, this mm -hmm. activity yeah. uh, as a useful step for... Yeah, and I will say why this is still uh, 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 an action that serves, because when we look at the mind and the body, this is also external to us. <clears throat> so we have responsibility to give or to do useful actions uh, for this system, and also we have the responsibility to use, to, and then to use this to make, to do useful actions outside. And then uh, we see it many times that, uh, for example, mothers, they do a lot of useful actions outside, but they neglect themselves and then they are actually not doing something useful. So we have to remember to, to take care of our system is to also is a useful action. And then we, of course, we, we do it when it is possible. But sometimes it is not possible because, you know, this can be what, what like maybe it can be crazy, a crazy month, you know, and I have to do a lot of things and I will wait until the time comes that I can relax, but a very good practice always that uh, will take uh, all the stress and all the uh, overwhelming and exhaustion away in a minute. The best practice that I do many times because not always I can rest is I see all this and I see that I cannot hold it and that uh, there is almost like, I don't know the word in English. Overload. Overloading. Burden. Yeah, Burden. yeah. Uh, no, overload. Yeah, the system is overload and I see all of that and then I move atten my attention outside and I say, okay, here, where is this overload? Here, where is all the stress? Where is it? Doesn't. And now check the mind. When you see that it is not here, what is the state of your mind? In a moment. And I didn't need to relax and I didn't need to do deep breathing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a way of relaxing. Yeah. But I say, usually we have the idea that now we have to rest in bed and to deep breath and to, you know, and do like this. But I say there is like this little trick that to give immediate relaxation to the mind. Just take it out. Here nothing exists. And boom, the mind is empty and we can go continue. So use this also. It's very helpful, useful. And then, okay, I see it, and the next moment, again, all my body is exhausted, all my mind is like, mm. I'm trying to bring it out, and this system is exhausted. And then when I sit in the end of the day, you were saying, uh, your mind is telling you you're exhausted, <laughs> and it's just an object, but it's not just an object, no, it's something uh, like a warning, uh, put uh, time, more time to yourself, uh, mm. relax more, uh, yeah. rest a little bit more, uh, don't do so many things maybe because then you can see when you're exhausted you're also more nervous to people more anxious mm. <laughs> yeah. you know there is something interesting about this uh, usually we are uh, we're used to act 
according to what the mind tells us. And then we have to wait for this exhaustion of the mind to rest. Uh, but actually, when we are in contact with the outside world, with reality, we don't need to wait for the mind to be exhausted or for the body to be exhausted. I am anyway giving the right conditions. See? So, and then I do not depend on the, on the mind. And then I can do this trick that to see that actually outside there is, there is no stress or no overload. And then the mind becomes empty in a second and I can continue. And I will still give the rest that I need, but not because I was exhausted. And that's because life, because I know that uh, good conditions for my system is to eat well and to exercise and to have a siesta. You understand? But most people, they wait to feel it in order to act. And I say, why to wait to feel? Just act in your normal life in a way that is balanced and supports your life. And then even if you have the ideas of overwhelmed or, or overload, you uh, don't have to act according to it now. You're not really overloaded. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to add that it's for me the realization when when I think about like the teeth or the body that um, I should eat in order to serve my body or I need to brush my teeth in order to serve my teeth so that they can serve me for the rest of my life then it made it much easier for me to act with this understanding rather than everything is just my body my food mm -hmm. whatever um, so I think that this meaning also in the way of like actions um, and what you said as well like gives it more meaning if it's not just to act, it's in order to feel something so that this something will have a meaning eventually. Um, mm -hmm. Or that this thing will fill itself in mm -hmm. some way. Um, for me, it made it much easier, the understanding to act upon and make a change when I understood that it's not in me. It's, mm -hmm. And I think it's the same what I see for like mothers, suddenly they have so much strength when it comes to their children and to do everything. And we hear stories from the Holocaust and, you know, crazy stories of the strength people had when it's not to do with themselves, mm -hmm. yeah. when it's to do with something that they need to fill and mm -hmm. serve. Yeah, what you say is very accurate and it is very interesting to see how different it is when the mind is selfish and acts for itself, it is much, life is more difficult, you know, and we're always, oh, it's true, huh? <laughs> and then when the mind is not selfish and acts for, to serve, and doesn't matter if we serve this body or external bodies or whatever, it is much easier. And so this way of yoga that leads us to see uh, selfishness, and do we have to cancel it? No, we don't have to cancel the selfishness of the mind. It will always be selfish. Only we do not act according to the selfishness. Selfishness makes life much easier and makes the actions much easier. Yeah, it is uh, amazing, huh? Because we think that if we take care of ourselves, then this is easy. But no, actually to go beyond selfishness is easier. <laughs> but if we do it in order to escape 
selfishness, mm. then mm. we are still focusing on selfishness. Mm. So we are still bound by, we may be trying not to be selfish, and then what we will get back is the hard work of being selfish, mm -hmm. because we are still focusing on selfishness. Yeah. In a way, we just have to, to, to let go, not counterbalance the selfishness, yeah. or anything, in fact. Yeah. We let the selfishness be. But we yeah. choose the action according to yeah. external needs. But it's, yeah. it's a very important point there because it's very dangerous to say, ah, no, if I, do, if I act this way, that can be considered selfish. So we'll just go the opposite way mm. just so that I'm not selfish. No, no, no. you've lost the balance there as well. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, uh, the same result in a way. Mm -hmm. Yes, completely. More things? Yes. Something that really helps me that I remind every day and when I'm sad or when things don't work like I want or all the situation that life doesn't mean to be fun. And it's like sounds horrible but um, it's like um, let's go of the, all the expectation expectation of like I'm supposed to be happy all the time and everything was like go there and there and then I remind myself life is not like all the time good or bad it's not like stop mm -hmm. think of that like an idea that uh, mm -hmm. needs to lead you and it's really helped me to take things in proportion and mm -hmm. yes very true and then what is life about if it's not about having fun and making it easy it's about manifesting. If life does something, it's to manifest endlessly. You know, and then if you just allow it to manifest, you know, it's then you are living and then everything can manifest. You know, in the mind, outside the mind, in situations. We don't need to control the situations all the time. We can just let them manifest, you know, and then we act in as much as we can. But, uh, you know, life is endless manifestations. This is what life does. Yeah. yeah, endless, you know, and this is when we understand this, this is to see Brahman. This is to see this potential that just creates endless forms, endless experiences, endless things. You know, this is life, endless, endless. And uh, to see Brahman is very interesting, is to see that everything is only a manifestation. It's not good or bad, meant to be or not meant to be. You know, it's uh, whether it is uh, an object or something mental, you know, it's only another thing that is manifesting or in another way, uh, we have two words for it in yoga, Ishvara Pranidana, to see that everything is the same, only this potential that desires to manifest, doesn't matter in what way it manifests, or it is to see Brahman, you know, to see that everything is the same, you know, it's only another manifestation, it's the two words. And when you see that, uh, you start to see the glory of life. You know, instead of being in a dual world that says this is okay, this is not okay, this is good, this is bad, the good and the bad are what? A manifestation. You know, the uh, life and death, manifestation, uh, sickness and health, manifestation. Uh, you know, all experiences are only manifestation. And I like this game very much because, uh, you know, it's, uh, you can practice it in a way that... Uh, you look at your mind, you know, and you see happiness and sadness, and you can see that the words that you give, happiness and sadness, and then you can go beyond this and say, okay, what is it? So 
only another manifestation, another thing that appears. And then the same to do about experiences, and then to do the same about actions, and then the same to do about uh, people and dogs and this, you know, a mosquito is a manifestation and a person is a manifestation. There is no difference there. And then you see, start to see Brahman everywhere. You start to have this Ishvara Pranidana. You see everything is the same and that's it. This is the end of the road. Because and <laughs> this uh, practice is already in what is called Vedanta, beyond knowledge. And why is it called beyond knowledge? Because there is no knowledge there. <laughs> Because everything is the same. So there is no knowledge about anything but to say this is Brahman. And all the Upanishads, this is the text of yoga, this, they deal with that. You know, only with this understanding that everything is this uh, manifestation. And then they don't talk much only about, oh, everything is Brahman, everything Brahman, very boring. You know, and, mm -hmm. but then life can appear as it is. Only endless manifestations appearing and disappearing, and appearing and disappearing. How do we serve? Let me ask you. According to situation. According to the situation. Hmm? Yeah. Okay, we look for the need. This is the way to serve. You look what is needed and what you, which abilities you have, which uh, powers yeah, you have, that you can, uh, to which of the needs you can give an answer. Because we cannot give answer to all the needs. You know? But if there is a need and I have the ability to give an answer to it, then this is the way to serve. But why serve Magi asshole? Sorry? Why serve if everything Brahman? Because why, why to serve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the service in this, if you go to Brahman, you say service and, and unservice is the same. Like being selfish and to serve is the same. Serving, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but why to serve goes to another uh, element to say, okay, uh, uh, the purpose of all that is created is to serve and then when you serve you are one with your purpose that's it and this is and if you want to the way out of life is only by serving because only what fulfilled its purpose is no longer necessary and only when there is no longer the need then we are not anymore created so this uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the question the Buddha asked after he had the uh, revelation, the awakening, he said, okay, I'm gone. I finished my thing. And they told him, no, there's still some people that have just a little bit of sand in their eyes. You have to serve them. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to do that. So, um, a question. I was also writing this kind of question because I feel like I was in a, a waitress in the restaurant and all the tables want my help and there are so many needs all the time like you're saying and I do have a lot of abilities I can help my mother, I can help my grandmother, I can help my brother, I can help my, my sister to be more healthy and there, there's all the time so many needs, my house, my study, you know, mm. endless, yeah, endless uh, needs I feel all day long like that I'm not saying so many actions because there are so many needs. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. <laughs> well, well yeah. I can uh, give you some nice tips. One is uh, take care of the needs that come to you. 
first of all. Don't go looking for all the needs. You will see that there are the needs that come to you because maybe your sister doesn't want your help. You know, so this is for me, even if she needs, it doesn't mean she needs it from you. So give an answer to the needs that come to you, first of all. Uh, and then give answer to the needs that you are able to give an answer to because you will see many needs you cannot fulfill and then it's better to say listen I cannot fulfill your need but maybe here there is a person that can help you or there so we have to take this responsibility okay and then there are the needs that we <coughs> took uh, as our dharma as what supports our life and these needs we must fulfill because if we have created children in this world, we have what is called dharma for them. They are part of our life, of what uh, sustains us. And then we have an like, eternal dharma to them, to fulfill their needs. So from these needs, we cannot say we are not. And uh, uh, in our dharma, there are a few needs that we can, <coughs> we can uh, name already. We have a dharma towards our parents because we have no life without our parents, so we have endless dharma towards them and to our grandparents, you know, whatever brought us to this life. So this, I would say, I will always give answer to these needs if I can do it, and if not, I will find, like I will direct the need to somebody who can. But we have endless dharma to them, and there is never a mistake, even if I think, I don't have this experience, but I think, even if I feel my parents didn't, treat me well when I was a child and even if they didn't take care of me and even if I'm very angry with them uh, I still have this dharma towards them and it will never be a mistake to for example when they are old to help them you know to take care of them it is uh, there is never a mistake there I think and then we have a dharma towards our body because we have no existence without our body we don't have any existence without our mind so we have eternal dharma to them, to support them. And then we have, uh, we have no life without this earth, without the water, without you know, all living things. So we have um, dharma to them also. But do we have dharma um, concerning all our friends and our career and stuff? Not necessarily. And here is things we choose. I choose my friend, I choose my career, I choose many different things. So there I don't have to give answer to all the needs. You know, if they come to me and I have the ability, I will. But it's not like I am obliged, obliged, obliged. obligated, whatever. <laughs> you understand the difference between my parents and my friend, you know? Yes, and still, for example, now I study yoga therapy and then uh, someone is coming to me, but he wants help and yeah, but in the same way, with a person like this, you can tell him, okay, I cannot help you. Please go to a different person that studied with me and she knows the same like me and she can help you. So if you see that you don't have the time to give him, because if you try to help him without being there completely, it is better to say I cannot give and I do it many times you know I in the past I used to uh, work with uh, people with a very bad depression you know that uh, and then uh, at some point I realized I cannot give them the amount of time they need the support they need and I stopped doing it because I said it's not responsible you know to to try although I really want to help everybody 
this I cannot do. And then I, uh, you know, I always advise them to approach other people and like this. So we need to know when we cannot help somebody and to say, okay, this is to somebody else. And then it's nice because then we share the wealth of uh, needs, you know, and it's nice to direct another need to somebody else because when you tell this person, don't, I cannot help you, but Yarden can help you, then you help Yarden to help others. And this is sharing wealth, you know. Uh, depression? Yeah, depression needs 24 hours of availability because you can get phone calls at 2 o'clock at the night, I'm going to kill myself and you have to be there for this person. Mm -hmm. So if you're not completely able, don't take people with uh, bad depression. You know, it's uh, not responsible. Somehow I feel that uh, when it comes to exchange, because helping is sort of like giving something, but at the same time you cannot give without take. Um, in many in many cases, I, I can see how what I do in order to help you somehow, or what an action I, I, I take to give you something, uh, how that in response gives me uh, something. And I think sometimes it's useful to see how this uh, giving and receiving cycle is uh, uh, complete. Mm -hmm. um, and I think somehow there, it is that uh, we can see the selflessness in it, mm -hmm. that it's not selfish. In a way, it looks as if it's selfish because it's, it feels like, you know, I give you something in order to take something. But we can see the balance within those two uh, energies. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so somehow that's sustainable. Yeah. That doesn't... Uh, uh, we, uh, yeah, we act from a point of strength instead of just like, whoa, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, letting down ourselves in order to help others which I think it's a very um, truly uh, selfish concept somehow that oh, I, I, I give a, I give up myself in order to help you because at the end of the day it brings a lot of suffering uh, it creates a lot of suffering for, mm -hmm. for the self yeah what you describe you described very nicely the idea of Dharma and we can expand on this idea for a moment the word the meaning of the word Dharma it what is uh, what supports our existence, what holds us, what supports us. And then we say, okay, the water supports our existence. So we have Dharma to the water. It means we are, uh, we have to keep the water fresh and clean. But by keeping the water fresh and clean, we actually support our life because our life depends on the water. So it is like a selfish action, but actually supports us back. And the same goes with relationship and everything else. So you have described very nice the idea of Dharma. So whatever we have eternal Dharma to, whatever our existence depends on, is immediately creates when we, uh, when we give, um, when we act there in a selfish way, we actually are supporting our existence back. But the motive is not to support our existence, it is to support what, ex what supports our existence. So the the motive is anyway is like a selfish motive, but you get back something in return. Yeah. Like to focus on the practice instead of the result. Yeah. Yes. It's also the result when I take care of the trees in my garden. I know that if I take good care of them, I, they will give me fruits and mm -hmm. it's nice results. Yeah, 
one of the results. Yeah, it is a result, but uh, in this practice, we don't depend on the result. Yeah. You know, because I can give the tree a good condition and still can be one year that it doesn't give fruit. Yeah or then lightning come and the tree is burned. So we have to always, when we want uh, action to be complete, we act in order to serve, to keep our dharma, or to support the things that are in our dharma. Uh, but we are not attached to the results. We understand yeah. that many conditions affect everything, and so we do our best, but the results can be many things. So we don't depend on it. Yeah. And even when if, uh, attachment comes, yeah, we, we watch it, but we are not attached to the attachment, like we don't, you know, because you will see when you do actions and you are attached to the results, there is a lot of suffering there. Yeah. And I didn't, oh, I did all this and I didn't get what I wanted, you know, and how much suffering is there. But then we, in the yoga, we say, oh, I did all of this, oh, wonderful, you know, wonderful, I did this, I was able to serve. Well, but even there, there is something you get back, not what I expected. Maybe I expect to get that back, and I don't get that. But definitely, there is something that I have gotten, even if it's just the lesson that, you know, dropped the expectation. Yeah. So just by recognizing, in a way, what mm. it is that I got out of this, what I received out of this giving action, mm -hmm. it sort of like brings me shows me the, bal the, the balance that already exists. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like sort of like gives me a straighter perspective to what, what is happening, mm -hmm. helps me align myself somehow yeah. to, to reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I will say also, we, we don't necessarily need to see what we got back, but we always get back something. And what is something, what is the something that we can always get back? Doesn't Knowledge. matter what happens. Knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah, we get our awareness, you know. In any situation, whether we got the result or not, we can become more aware by watching, by, yeah. But so, we uh, learn. We, yeah, we learn, but what we learn, what is, the, what is the interesting thing to learn, you know, what is, we, eventually what we want to learn is about who we are, you know, to be, nature. yeah, to be established there. So, whatever the situation is, whatever results we got, uh, if we are, aware of it and we see then we always gain something but still it is not our motivation you know no, it's not the motivation, yeah. but in yeah. a way it's a practice yeah though. yeah it's not mm -hmm. the motivation yeah. but uh, mm -hmm. it's it, somehow i feel that somehow it's easy to get trapped in the idea that oh i gave and i didn't receive or mm -hmm. and that's uh, yeah. it's it's good to remember that that's not true mm -hmm. yeah. that always there is uh, as much yeah. energy as we put we've taken it and mm -hmm. the moment we recognize it in a way, we, we activate the whole system in a much healthier uh, mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a practice, uh, it serves, mm -hmm. not, as a, not as a goal itself. Mm -hmm. Yes, completely. More things? Tell us more about attachment. If it is the same, identification or what we call self Self-identification is how I identify myself. I say I am nice, I'm not nice, I'm like this, I'm like that. Attachment can be attachment to external things. Uh, this is mine. Or uh, attachment can be attachment to experiences. For example, uh, I want to feel loved and I don't want to feel hated. Or, you know, I want to feel expansion and not contraction. So I will say self-identification and... Uh, Attachment are do 
two different things, but both of them are natural to the mind, are part of the, you know, uh, right function or the normal function of the mind, and none of them is uh, will give us trouble uh, as long as we are aware of it and we see it as something natural, but we don't have to act according to it. This is the idea. It is okay, we can, I see my mind attached to many things, and I smile. <laughs> and I see my mind identified with many things, and I smile. You know, I say, oh, wonderful, everything is in place. <laughs> you Sorry? You know, the smile is this no. to say, oh, it's, everything works well. Yeah, no, it's no. this, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to smile, I can be upset. Also, and then I smile when I see myself upset. I say, oh. <laughs> anyway, a sense of humor really helps. Yeah, especially with the mind. It, uh, he li the mind likes humor. <laughs> yeah. When uh, I can say about myself that uh, when I was living, for example, by myself, so it was more in some way more easy. But when I'm uh, with a group in uh, the project, or when I moved in with my boyfriend, then uh, I, I'm upset. So it's not just, okay, I'm upset and I'm upset and like smiling through it or something. He's miserable. <laughs> He's not miserable as I am, but he must see it because the automatic is more, you know, so it's, and then I feel like, oh my God, no, it's not good. How can I smile? Yes. Okay. So you're upset and then you smile for the mind being upset. The, the, the smile is inner smile. You see the mind saying, oh, I'm so sad, I'm so depressed, I'm so miserable. And you smile because you say, oh, the mind functions very well because it always wants the, to feel good. So it, when it is upset because it is upset, it's okay. So this is the inner smile. And then the action has to be a useful action. Okay? And then sometimes we realize that in relationship we cannot all the time say to our partner, oh, I'm so upset, I'm so sad, I'm so depressed, I'm so confused, I don't know if I like you or I don't like you, or if I did, and I this. Because if you do this, you will see that it doesn't support your relationship. And the same in every project you are involved. You know, you cannot come all the time to the project and say, oh, I don't feel good, I'm confused, I cannot manage, I cannot this, because it doesn't support the project. So I smile to the mind and outside I do the action that is useful. And sometime I will see, that now it is useful to share with my partner my feelings and sometimes I will say oh now it's not useful to share the, my feelings you know it is more useful to maybe ask him how he feels or to offer him to go for a walk or to tell him listen I am going for a walk I will come back later you know? this is the thing uh, uh, I, I this question arises many times you know with people that become aware of the mind in a way they feel they have to communicate all the time what is going on in their minds to other people. But this is not very useful, you know, because you have to consider the other person, you know, is uh, immediately, if you say that you are contracted, immediately he is contracted because maybe it is, he thinks it is because of him. And then this is an endless uh, cycle inside of relationship and not useful at all. Okay. And then uh, many people ask, oh, so it means I have to like uh, ignore what I feel. It's not ignoring what you feel because you've smiled to it and you have completely acknowledged what you feel. It is only you took responsibility on the action. That is all, you know? And uh, then some people say, oh, then I give up on myself. Like I, uh, uh, I lose myself. Oh, you don't lose yourself. You earn yourself every time you are aware of the content of the mind and still the action 
better be useful one that's something that will harm your relationship and we never lose ourselves we always gain ourselves every time we watch the mind because who we are we are the one who are aware not the mind itself so we can never give up on ourselves you know or lose ourselves when we become aware more things how can i develop a healthy intuition Oh, what is intuition? <laughs> what, uh, what the Veda says about intuition. I don't know what the Veda says about intuition. Uh, tell me what you think about intuition. I find intuition in my life as uh, like a sense of knowing. Uh, it's not accurate all the time, but like knowing what's, what I want like to maybe to investigate in life, or to explore. So it just, just comes to me, so it's like a, an active doing stuff, thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say something uh, <laughs> maybe destroy your intuition. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I will uh, treat in, uh, we'll talk about intuition in two levels. Okay. One, there is this intuition that tells us, for example, go right, not to, not to go left. And we say, oh, what a wonderful intuition I have. I have this unexplainable feeling that says go right and not left. Right? This is kind of intuition, you will say. This intuition, uh, we, in a way, we, don't, we cannot explain why we have this feeling. But it is always there because there is some former knowledge that tells us that to go right is better than to go left, or that gives the conclusion that to go right is better to go left. But this former knowledge can be very silly stuff. It can be because I saw a black cat crossing the road just before, like on the left side. And then I say, oh, I have the intuition to go right and to go, not to go left. But it is because I have the knowledge that black cat is bad luck, okay? So why do you call it intuition? Because you're not aware of the knowledge, it's like, that was there and for you it's like a, just in like a sudden spontaneous feeling but actually uh, in an unaware way you have seen something and uh, it told you this is good and this is bad so uh, this intuition depends on uh, like past knowledge and then it's not always accurate uh, so we don't always have to follow it we have it the same with people you know, I can meet a people, uh, meet a person, and say, oh, I have the intuition that he's not a good person. But this intuition can be because his name is Yaniv, and I don't like the name Yaniv, and I don't even know it because I don't remember that, you know, there was once a Yaniv that did something to me. Or because he has, uh, he's wearing a green collar, and I don't like green, or because, you know, it can be very silly stuff. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> so I will. You know, I will see this intuition, but I will not completely trust it. And I will add another thing on it to take my eyes, like my attention out and to check in the reality what can be a good, uh, a useful action. Okay, I will not completely trust this intuition. Um, so this is one level. Another level uh, that we can look at intuition is to say the more we see reality, we have better intuitive knowledge in a way of what will be useful because we see clearly and not through the ideas of the mind and maybe this is the kind of intuition you mean you know that you see 
reality as it is and then you know what is right for you or what is not yep. mm -hmm. and this intuition if it is called intuition for me it's I will not call it intuition I say it is just being able to see reality as it is uh, can be achieved uh, by uh, or can be developed by uh, uh, doing the practice of watching the content of the mind being able to identify it as a content of the mind and then to take the attention out and to say, okay, what is the world without my impressions and without my ideas? And then you will start to see that you see more details, you see more things in reality, and then you can uh, better know what is uh, useful to do. So uh, the way to develop this intuition is just to take the attention out and see reality as empty of ideas. You understand? And this will give you better idea of what to do or what there is. And what to do. And I also see the connection of um, establishing in more satvic um, activities and knowledge. Mm -hmm. and by this, you, I can expand the. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, because the satvic mind is like a clear mind, less movement and less coloring. And then, of course, the, when the mind is more satvic, it's like you're looking at the world through a clear glass and stable glass, and then you see the world better and then you can act better. So, of course, to uh, do sattvic actions and develop a sattvic mind will help your intuition in this way. Mm, but in a way there, it's not intuition anymore, it's just uh, observing. Yeah, for me it is. But uh, some people yeah, like yeah, to yeah. call it intuition. Yeah. For me, intuition is not... Uh, I, I go with the first explanation of intuition. Not a very accurate thing. You know, I prefer to know what I, why I do things to look at reality than to say, oh, there is some uh, unexplainable feeling. You know, it's, I don't know where this feeling came from. And uh, I always treat these spontaneous feelings as a result of past experiences. And there, maybe you know it from uh, like uh, teachings of uh, like uh, the mind, like a pool full of water, and then we throw it a stone. And then there are these, uh, you know, the ripples and uh, spritzing. Uh, splashes you know and this intuition like this inner feeling is only a splash so where it came from what is there in the knowledge I don't know so I will always be a little bit uh, I will add also the ability to look outside and then decide yeah intuition is very tricky yeah, what is the, yeah. The, the knowledge that we have the unconscious and I think it's from the past life also yeah, can can be from everything. Can be from past life. Can be from this life. Can be from things that happened during, uh, con like when we were uh, in the womb and stuff. Everything is there in the form of experiences, and doesn't matter. We don't need to know all the knowledge. And yoga doesn't make the distinction between uh, uh, unconscious knowledge or conscious or that muda velo muda. We don't need to do this. It's enough to know that whatever we feel now is always a result of. Well, yeah, of what we've uh, we have in the system, but uh, I look at myself. I say I have the knowledge of all creation. You know, from the moment life started, I have the knowledge of all of it. You know, I don't need to be aware of it. But of course, life has it because this is evolution. Mm -hmm. It's to say, I take we take the knowledge of how to live, and we just improve it and improve it. You know, and we create better life forms that can live better and longer and. Uh, and uh, collect more knowledge and so we have all the knowledge from the beginning of creation in our system. Yeah, it's nice. Definitely. Yeah.
<clears throat> More stuff? I think it's the fifth... Um, not layer uh, in the, in the Patanjali uh, limb the fifth yeah, limb Pratyahara yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, bring attention inside yeah can you give some some more information about this mm -hmm. okay so I will just give the whole explanation of the limbs of yoga and then <laughs> no it's going to be short Pratyahara huh? eight eight limbs yeah <laughs> you don't like it? No. <laughs> okay, so in the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, Patanjali presents the Raja Yoga, the highway of yoga, and uh, talks about the uh, eight steps. And then there are uh, the fifth, it's called the eight limbs of yoga. Uh, and the first two ones are, um, well, practices that we do in the daily life. And then it starts from the third one, a series of steps that you do in meditation, how to prepare for meditation and what to do in meditation. So the third one is Dasana, is just sit in a comfortable way, the third one. And then the first, the fourth is to say, just breathe naturally, you know, let the breath be relaxed. And of course we need comfortable posture and relaxed breath to be able to meditate. And then the fifth one is called Pratyahara. The meaning of the word is very nice. Is prat is to uh, is like to let go, and ahara is food, and it means to let go of the food. But which food? That what is the food? What is the idea of the food? Is the food of the attention, or the food of the senses? Okay, but it's better to say the food of attention. Now, what attention does all the time? It goes to external stimulus or giruim, yeah? It goes to whatever the senses grasp, the attention goes there. So it says, let go of this uh, movement of attention to external experiences and bring it inside. This is the idea of Pratyahara. Uh, so when we are, when we know how to do it, we do it, we don't need the practice of it. We just sit, we close our eyes and we have our attention inside. And then we can, the sixth uh, limb will be the dharana the one-pointed concentration. And then we direct the attention that now is not going outside. We have collected it, and now we can direct it to the breath or whatever object of concentration we are practicing. Uh, so this is like when, we, when you understand that you can control attention, you do it immediately. It's not like a practice that you have to do. Yeah? You just sit, you close your eyes, you have your attention, and now you can direct it. But in the beginning, if people want to practice it, uh, maybe we will do it one day. Uh, there is a, a way to sense this, uh, the movement from outside to inside, but it's not that we have to practice it, but it's only for the fun of feeling the difference of attention going outside and inside. But the way I instruct people is just, I tell them, move your attention to different places in the body and see that you can do it. So it gives them the sense that they can control the attention or and immediately it puts them in a state that now they are moving the attention from place to place so it no longer goes like uh, in a spontaneous way uh, to whatever uh, yeah, the senses do. And then this is Pratyahara, immediate Pratyahara. And then I instruct people like move your attention to the feet, to the hands, to the breast, to the, to the tongue, like this. 
So they control the attention immediately, but not yet focusing it on one object, only to have the sense that now I hold the attention and I can do whatever I want with it, and it doesn't go in a free way, in a spontaneous way to all the different uh, senses. And then you are ready to do the dharana. Now you can direct the attention to the object of concentration. So this is pratyahara, the fifth. Okay? Is there a pratyahara exercise during the day? Uh, it's not needed. During the day you want to be, you actually want to be, uh, you want two things. When you are like this, free, you want your attention to be free to, you know, to hear the sounds of the birds and the wind and the things. So you know what is going on around you. And then if somebody is calling your name, you will be aware of it. Or if there is some danger, you will grasp it. So there is no point to be concentrated inside during the day. Uh, but we do use uh, the dharana, the sixth, during the day, for example, when we drive. So we want to be able to focus on the driving and not to lose our mind with the cell phone and other things. And then it's not that we have to practice the pratyahara, the, you know, because we already know we can control the attention. So we just can immediately direct it to what we want. So I would say uh, pratyahara during the day is not really needed. Yeah, if you know to do the dharana, the pratyahara is only like, you know, it's just like say, okay, sit comfortable, breathe naturally, hold your attention and direct it. It's like one flow. Everybody can, mm. like it's a natural ability. It's not something you need to practice on. Uh, no, it's, no, it's something people need to know because, for example, uh, people um, don't know that they can control the attention. Try to remember if before you started to practice, you didn't know that attention is something that you can control freely. But I do have the ability. Yeah, but you didn't know it. You know, Pratyahara is to say, it's like to say, okay, now you know. Now you know that your attention doesn't have to go to every sound and every this. You can hold it if you want in your hand and direct it. So we have to become aware of this ability. And we have it, but we have to become aware of it and then we develop it more with Dharana. More questions? There is a conversation that Khalid and I, I had yesterday, and we kind of talked about it, but I'm interested to hear as well what you have to say. And we talk about, you know, that we're all doing our way and, um, and practice everybody in their life in their own way and I feel we feel Hagit I'm sorry if I'm taking you in this conversation right now but the most um, I think like hard places are the places that we feel that we can't um, we're still stuck in like the, the situation or people and things we want to we want to do and we feel that we are still um, stuck in a place we don't have progress over there and okay so I will try in Hebrew and then maybe they, they translate as בעצם המקומות האלה שאנחנו מרגישים שאנחנו עדיין תקועים בהם ואנחנו לא מצליחים להתקדם בהם. 
ובשיח שלנו אז כן עלה שמן הסתם יש מקומות שיותר קל ומקומות שפחות קל לנו ומקומות שבדרך כלל המקומות שיותר קשה לנו זה מקומות שהם מאוד טבועים בנו מאוד מאוד חזק וצריך מן הסתם להתאמן אליהם יותר אני משערת אבל נראה לי שכזה עלה מהשיחה שזה בעצם המקומות שעולה בהם יותר תסכול ויותר קושי ו... כי את, את מבינה מה, מה אני מנסה להסביר? כן. אוקיי. וניסינו עם עצמנו להבין כאילו מה... לא יודעת מה הפתרון, אבל ככה איך להתייחס אל זה. Mm. אז כן, מן הסתם זה ככה להתחיל אולי מהמקומות היותר קלים ולאט לאט לעלות, מה שנקרא. אבל המקומות האלה נמצאים ביום יום והם בדרך כלל מקומות מאוד מרכזיים. Mm. דברים שמאוד משפיעים עליהם, בין אם זה מערכות יחסים, או בין אם זה דברים יומיומיים שאנחנו מצליחים או לא מצליחים לעשות. וזה לא, זה היה כזה איזשהו שיח על הדבר הזה בעיקר. כאילו אנחנו יודעות את ההפרדה בינינו לבין התכנים, אבל יש תכנים מסוימים כל אחד והנקודות שלו, ואיך שהם מופיעים, אז כל פעם מחדש את מאמינה להם כאילו לגמרי. וזה מרגיש קצת כזה לופ אינסופי, כאילו... אני אוסיף שם שזה לא בהכרח אם את מאמינה להם, כמו שאת יכולה... אז זה לא כמו המאמינה להם נראה לי שאמרנו, כמו את יכולה להיות ברגע ואת עדיין רואה את הכל ואת רואה את זה שאת לא רוצה עכשיו לעשות א', ב', ג' או הפוך ואת רואה את הכל את לא יודעת אם להגיד במובהק את כאילו את בהתבוננות או בסבר ועדיין גם לא בהכרח מצליחה לפעול וזה בדרך כלל מקומות ולופים נורא נורא חזקים שחוזרים אליהם ושם קשה. אז ביחד עם הראייה עדיין אין את האפשרות לה לפעול, וזה כאילו... אני חושבת שזה איזשהו מקום שהוא צעד לפני, וצריך לעבור את זה כדי אחר כך גם לפעול. אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
case. It, there will always be frustration. I will always feel I'm not good enough. I will always feel I can do more. I can always, you know, this, the content will always be there. And now, does it block me from advancing? No. Now I can advance in two fronts. Yeah? First, I become aware of all of this. I identify them as object, objects and I identify them as being completely okay and I smile. You know, this little smile for me is the way we advance. You know, because before we take it seriously. Oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing enough, I have to improve and I really think that I have to do all these things in reality and I start to converse with these voices in my head. But if I smile to them, it's like I say, okay, I see you. I become Buddha at that moment that says, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Doesn't matter the story you tell, I see you. Okay, so this is one place. So frustration, not good enough, all of this, I see you, I smile. I have already advanced, okay? I have already advanced by smiling. Next, advancing in the action. Advancing in the action is, <laughs> it's very, <laughs> It's very funny because uh, there are a few things about it. First, we have to realize that the more we are used to an action, the more difficult it is to avoid or to not do the automatic and to do the manual action. Uh, so in our relationship uh, with uh, like uh, very close people, with our parents, with our partner, we will see that it is more difficult to do a useful action. Many times I will see the action I will know exactly that there is a better action. I will say to myself, oh, you are going to do this useful action and I'm going to repeat the automatic action. <laughs> and there, okay, uh, my ability to advance will be only as a result of more practice of one-pointed concentration, the ability to let go and to direct attention. And then there will be like just the, the idea that, okay, maybe next week maybe next year, maybe in 10 years. But, you know, I keep the same effort to try to one day maybe succeed to do a different action. Um, so in the action itself, maybe it will take time, but I can still advance in what? Even if I didn't manage to do the action? Okay, first I have always the next moment to try again to do a useful action and awareness. and awareness to my mind saying, oh, again, you didn't succeed. Oh, you will never succeed and all of this. And at least I've advanced in awareness again. Okay, and smiling to the mind say, okay, if you want to improve, then maybe we should put more effort in the practice, you know, so this is one thing. And then in uh, uh, places which are uh, easier for us, we will see that we are advancing, you know, maybe in the beginning I couldn't do it and then slowly uh, I do. And then uh, in this uh, way that like there is always a chance for another action. So even if now I didn't do the useful action and I, I don't know, I shouted and I've realized this and I have grown, I have advanced in awareness. And now I come and say, okay, so now I can apologize. And maybe apologizing will be possible. Like not to shout was not possible, but apologizing is possible. And if I did this, did I advance in a useful action? I did. So I gained twice. I gained awareness and I did an, a useful action. Even though it was not the first one, it is the second one or the third one. 
So in this way we advance. Um, yeah, I think this is it. And then, you know, it's very, I think the basic is to know where we can advance and where not. You know, and even though the mind expects us to advance in everything, we have to know that some things are not in our ability to change. Uh, and then we, you know, we can always learn and develop more the muscle and improve. But what do you mean we have the places that, that we don't have a chance to improve because... Yeah, in the, in the mind, in the automatic things of the mind, we cannot improve. We cannot we change. We can always improve, like outside, like with action, always. Yeah, well, a little bit, maybe. Like, even if I repeat, you know, maybe I want to stop smoking, but again and again I find myself smoking. Not a problem, okay? Because I see this and I bring awareness and I advance in the awareness. And then maybe one day when I advance in awareness and I keep uh, developing one-pointed concentration, the ability to work with attention, and maybe one day I will be able to say no to one cigarette. You know, and even if I said no to one cigarette and then I smoke 10, I don't mind, you know, because this one time that I've succeeded, will maybe use, yeah, it's an advancement and then maybe again I will be able, you know. It can be like a really delicate um, line, because every time you can say, okay, tomorrow, okay, tomorrow, okay, tomorrow, maybe the next thing, and then you find yourself saying something that you want to do like three years ago, and you're still in the same place, and hmm, I still didn't do it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of be like a, a skews every mm -hmm. time. So I feel like it's like really delicate line over there. Yeah, and it's true. And then I have to say, okay, if I still want to do it, you know, then I have to, and I haven't done it for three years, then I have to change something because, you know, if I get the same result, it's only because I do the same thing all the time. If I want a different result, I have to change something. And in this, uh, you know, when we instruct ourselves in action, uh, Sometimes we have to say, okay, I cannot do all the action. I cannot be now nice to my mother all the time. Difficult. But I, can, I will take the most little action that I can do. And maybe it will be to say, okay, so once a week I send her a text message and saying, how are you? How was your weekend? You know, this I can do. And then it's like this to instruct ourselves in like very, very little ones, little actions. And you will see that slowly, because you were able to do one thing, you can be able to do the other and the other and the other, like that. Uh, what to do? <laughs> Life is an endless practice. Like I, I always say, uh, in action, there is never the end of the practice. There is end of knowledge, yes. There is end of, uh, you know, uh, many things. Like the moment we understand who we are, like the, there is end to Viveka. And, uh, the moment we understand who we are and what we are not, we have finished, but in action there is never an end because life is endless actions. We've started with it, so there we always have to practice, and there we, yeah, we always have to, we, yeah, just keep practicing. What to do? <laughs> yeah. More things. Exactly, exactly. This is why it is good to break it into little, little, little actions and not to say everything and not to try to change your life completely in one time. Just little steps, baby steps. Very good.
because we're yeah. changing the contents of the school. But I would like to explain again the idea of Dharma. So the idea of Dharma is easy to understand when you understand the meaning of the word. Word, Dharma is what supports us. Okay. Yeah. So, and then we say, okay, what supports us, our existence? We have a Dharma towards it. What is our Dharma? Is to support it. Because if we support what supports us, then this is the only way that life can be supported. And then we keep the water clean. Because the water supports our life, I support the existence of the water. Uh, I, the air supports me, I support the existence of the air, I don't pollute it. Uh, relationships support me, I support my relationship. For example, if I support my, if I take care of the existence of my partner, my partner will be in a good condition and then he will be able to support me. So it's just to be in this cycle of uh, relationship supporting and being supported supporting and being supported yeah yeah but it's not yeah but see how interesting it is because it's not like a selfish action it's not I am supporting myself I am supporting environment I am supporting my relationship I'm supporting outside but as a result my own existence existence is supported so this is the idea of Dharma and this is why the yoga says we must fulfill our Dharma we must support our Dharma because if we don't support what is supporting us, we will see our whole existence, you know, like uh, collapsing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pleasure. I have a question about Dharma and where we were born. Traditions of ours, like uh, uh, you said, Dharma to our families and other things, and Dharma to where we were born. Should we? Is it? Should we think about where we living and something like that? Okay, I will say uh, we have a Dharma towards Earth and not towards a man-made countries. Because all these borders are in the mind of the men, of humans, and it is not in reality. But, uh, light, but uh, water and Earth and trees are not in the mind of the people. So this is what actually supports. So Israel doesn't support my existence in a way, yeah, but the, the earth and the water does. But then I say, okay, but if I am supported by Israel as a country because it gives me uh, internet and it gives me uh, electricity and it gives me like water, tap water, then in a way I have Dharma towards Israel, you know, and then I have to say, okay, I cannot live here and not pay my taxes, you know, yeah, or things like that, you understand? But this is only if I say I am supported by this country. If I'm not supported by this country, in a way I don't have Dharma towards it. Supporting a country, father was with you. Yeah, we said about, uh, yeah, we have for this, uh, we do. Um, yeah, I always say, <laughs> because it's funny, I see people many times, they are, uh, they use a lot of, uh, you know, of this uh, comfort of uh, modern life. You know, they use the internet, they use uh, planes, they use fuel, they use, but uh, they are always against, you know, all these uh, big uh, companies and stuff. And I say, you cannot do it. You cannot on the one hand use, and on the other hand, pee in the pool, you know? <laughs> uh, because either you don't use, 
and then you can go against everybody and Google and stuff. But if you're on the internet and you're surfing and you're using Google, you cannot say you cannot take my information. You know, it's a, you, you are not, you don't realize what you are using, you know, uh, to support your existence. So um, whatever we choose to support, and uh, I would say it's interesting because our existence doesn't depend on Google. You know, we choose to depend on it, but it's not a must. Uh, but our existence depends on water. This is not our choice. This we, we this is a must. So in the places where we choose to to depend on uh, something that are not a must, we have to see that we are, um, you know, that we don't use it, and on the other's hand, just abuse it, you know, or go against it, you know. And if you don't want it, don't use it. There is but a it's choice there. This one because it's my existence. Um, like my financial existence depends on Google, then then I need Google. Yeah, but you have created your financial existence to depend on Google. It's not a must. But if everybody uses Google. Yeah, but you still <laughs> choose to be with everybody, you see. You can still be, go to some place in nature and depend only on earth and water and air. Yes, so it is your choice to be in society and it yeah. is your choice to use the structure that society gives you in order to communicate and to manage your finance. So then you have, in a way, a dharma towards them. And our dharma to Google is to give them their, our information. Well, in, in this kind of, <laughs> in this kind of like, what is real and what is not real and Google being manufactured by people, not being a real thing. Yeah. Then all of the rules are also not really real. They only are real if they are the rules. And then if people decide that they care enough and want to put their energy in a way to change those rules, then they can. So you can say, I don't want to give you the, the information, but you have to do something about it in order for you not to be, to not to have to give the information. It's, yeah, it's a, but you, yeah. yeah, you can try and find a way where to, you know, not to give them, but you can also say, okay, I am using their services for free, so I can support them to con continue living. Imagine that every email that we write and send, we had to pay for, like we were used to paying for letters. Can you imagine how much money that will be every month, you know? And so, but we expect it to be like free and not to give anything in return like as if we are uh, privileged in this way to have uh, free communication but it's not the way so i say if we really take responsibility on what we use technology then we give back and we give back by uh, letting them use our information and still and people say no they bind us with uh, i don't know ads and stuff but you don't need to use the what whatever they advertise you don't need to buy so you are not a slave to this. You still have their cho the, the choice. But why not support, you know, companies that you use and give you for free their, their you know, who gives something for free in this world? Only internet stuff, you know, gives for free. Nobody else gives anything for, free. for free. It no, is never. for free. because it's not for free because they're taking back data. No, but they don't charge money. And everything else is money-based, you know? And then I say, if you, you, if you choose, to use their free product, you have to follow the rules. 
You cannot use, it's like nobody will come and uh, study yoga with me without following my rules. You know, because it's very clear, okay, if I teach, even if I, like, you have to pay for the accommodation. Nobody will say, no, I come to teach, to study with you, and I'm not paying anything. You know, you cannot do it. So if you want to use Google, okay, don't use it, but follow their, you know, their system of uh, existing. You cannot go against and somehow people find it okay to use technology and go against it at the same time. I think it's a little bit uh, hypocrite, you know, in a way. I feel that at the end of the day, it's not about, in a way, making a list of dharma that, okay, my, my mom, my dad, uh, Google, um, whatever. It's, um, it's about using all these experiences in order to establish a healthy relationship with myself at the end of the day, with life itself, to, to establish a healthy relationship with the support with the life support system as a whole and then when that happens somehow I feel that everything is taken care of I find I can I can uh, relate to many uh, to, to, to my mother I can relate to Google I can relate to Israel in, in a healthy uh, way um, so again it's not so much about like focusing on the individual uh, relationship but in the understanding that uh, we, we choose to live in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Yes, and whatever we depend that, on our relationships. And being yeah. able to, to mm -hmm. act towards that and mm -hmm. accept responsibility of our mm -hmm. actions. Yes. Whether we want to call it Dharma or not in a way, whether that's the internet, the Google, or the, the mm -hmm. mother, or the mother earth, or mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is. Yes. It's, it's, in a way, it's a universal choice that we make and has different uh, expressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the result of understanding life, we yeah. would say, and how life supports itself. And then we have understand relationships, and then we understand our uh, responsibility in acting in these relationships, and what we take and what we give. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's okay, uh, and it's uh, maybe a personal question for you, but uh, why did you decide to live in Israel in these uh, uh, last few years? I don't know how many years you live in Israel, and you don't feel like the, in Kent City or living there? Well, I don't like living in Israel at all. If it was my choice, I would not live there at all. But there is the need and the conditions, and this is why I'm there. If it was up to me, my selfish mind, I will not be in Israel one moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? That is why I'm asking it. Because I'm speaking with myself. Uh, do, do I feel like they need me more there? And uh, mm. Because when I come to these kind of places, I feel it's more supporting my well-being. And, mm. and I want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I feel it all the years that I will be much happier, you know, for myself in living alone in the Himalayas. Yeah. But since I have, uh, you know, the... Since the need for the knowledge I can share is so great, and in Israel, this need was coming to me, and also giving me the conditions to teach it. You know, my house, my center, everything was like this. Just do it, then I had to do it. You know, but now that I feel that I is no longer needed my physical form in Israel, and I can do it uh, digitally, then I go to Portugal. <laughs> or anything, yeah. but, but I. <laughs> well, we meet here. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you understand? But I can still serve. But now it doesn't depend where I am. But before it was important where I am, so I put myself in Israel. I didn't like it. Yeah. But you can still say that you have. Let's go with this example that you have uh, some needs that you can answer here in Israel. Not here, there in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's endless. Yeah, you but this is why I have. Uh, how to you. say? <laughs> no, I have. I uh, yeah, I've created many teachers, you know, that can give this answer and they're going to live anyway in Israel because they have families and stuff, they're not going to go anyway. You see? Yeah, yeah some of them. But you see? You can still say that even if you, like, you teach a lot of people and there are so many people that can, you know, continue no. your way, but it's, it's never enough. No, it is, because now my, uh, I could see clearly, this was my, you know, one of my insights was to see that uh, in my physical form in Israel, there is a limit to how many people I can answer. And in my digital form, I can answer much more people. For example, more people are using my podcasts and you know improving their life with it than the people I meet. Yeah? So I say, okay, if I want to really now be useful for people, I can invest in that. In, and we can see what reaches more people in the world, not only in Israel. Yeah, digital uh, content reaches further than uh, to meet person by person. Uh, so as when I understood that, I understood, okay, it's, I don't need to meet. And the people that need to be met with a physical form, then I have a lot of teachers and mentors that have done the way and they can teach themselves. And this is why uh, one of the things I do is to very much... Uh, simplify the knowledge and to say everybody can teach it this is not a complex thing you know to understand the difference between manual and automatic this is the this is the only thing we do you know and to understand a little bit about health that health is the result of healthy conditions now this is very basic knowledge and so this is what i do so in order to make sure that whoever needs personal contact will be able to find it. But in some point I saw I will not be able to meet that many people. And I become like, I even harm, you know, my ability to spread the knowledge or to make it accessible when I am busy with meeting individual people. And it is better to put the time and my attention into building some structure that can be more uh, wide. So this is why I did it. It's not for my own benefit. We will find a place. We will find a place to meet. Don't worry. But first, you do your project in Israel, and then you earn the time with me. Exactly. More stuff? Ah, we are almost three hours. Oh, oh, wow. Did we leave it? Huh? We, I That's think another aspect of it that uh, you wanted us to be uh, our own teachers. Like, yes. growing up with. Uh, yeah. This I also understood in a very early stage that it, it, is not, uh, it is not part of the way to follow another person for, mm. uh, for, for a lifetime. Yeah, and it's not needed, and it's uh, like even opposite to the way. So even though yoga says something about um, guru and 
student relationship. Oh, they, they, they say about an inner guru and your relationship with yourself. And then gurus take advantage of this idea and tell you that you have to follow an external guru. But it's only to make you a slave. It's not the idea of yoga, to have external uh, teacher. Maybe That's for a, a while. Maybe yeah, for a short while, no. you know, just to have the knowledge and then... The, yeah, the external teacher is only to help us to develop the inner teacher. This is the only role of an external teacher. Not, uh, not to follow and not to give the grace of the teacher and all this bullshit that they teach. The, the external teacher is a manifestation of the teacher, the internal teacher, in a way, in our experience, in one's experience. Mm. And if we, if we treat the external teacher this way, I think we actually treat the, the teacher both the external and the internal with respect. So we can make the most out of it. Yeah. yeah. And to start with, we don't have an internal one. We have external one. And maybe we have internal one, but it's not dominant, only like an intuitive one. But then we develop it with the help of the external one. And then we let go of the external one. We don't need it at all. You know, no, not at all. Let's uh, finish with a thank you. <laughs> okay. So just close your eyes, put your palms together, and we say thank you for this uh, wonderful place and the tree and the surroundings and our ability to investigate together and may the result of our efforts be for the benefit of all creation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.